Welcome to the Life Over Coffee podcast, conversations for transformation. Hello, everyone. I have Daniel Berger with me, and I'm really excited to uh, share something that uh, he is wrapped up and almost to be published here uh, in a few months from now. It's called The Schizophrenic Unicorn. I'm sure that has got your attention, and so I'm going to turn Daniel loose and let him explain himself, uh, what he means. This is a book uh, that he has written, Daniel Uh, The copy that you have sent me has almost 900 pages. And so, uh, first of all, this is your largest book, or did you have one that's larger? This this is my largest book, yep. All right, so let's begin by just explaining that title, because uh, I think I understand it, but I'm sure there's there's more that I'm missing than what I'm perceiving. Yeah, well, I I, will start with the the first word there, uh, schizophrenic. Uh, technically second, but the idea or construct of schizophrenia is what the book is is um, essentially about. And there's a lot of uh, specifics that, that the book discusses, but uh, looking at what schizophrenia is from a diagnostic perspective and then a practical alternative uh, to the the whole idea of schizophrenia, which a lot of people don't realize, and, and uh, I wrote a book on on this saving abnormal is a eugenic or genetic theory. And so, <clears throat> the second word, unicorn, uh, in a book that's very serious, it's academic, it's biblical. There's a lot of empirical evidence, a uh, lot of scripture. Uh, it may seem odd to frame schizophrenic and unicorn together. Um, but it's it's interesting because uh, some of the leading uh, psych- psychiatrists like Nasir Ghami uh, have publicly uh, stated in the last two years that uh, psychiatric disorders are essentially unicorns. So they're defined uh, well. They're they're in a dictionary. You can look up unicorn. You can look up uh, whether it's the psychiatric dictionary or some call it the Bible and the DSM five, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. Um, or you can look up unicorn in a regular dictionary and you'll see a definition. And there's a big, big fancy word that is often used in regard to schizophrenia and other, um, it, it's a medical term, but it could be applied to unicorns as well. And that's the word heterogeneous, which means there's not one idea of schizophrenia, or they would say it doesn't look the same in, in each person. It's different among people. Um, and it's different theoretically too uh, among theorists. And so I, I'm I'm giving you an example. Nasir Gami, uh, John Roseman has also called it unicorns. And interestingly enough, in the last month there has been a massive, massive uh, uh, publication, and and hopefully the mainstream media will will cue in on this as well. But psychiatrists like E. Fuller Tory. Um, uh, Nasir, uh, uh, not Nasir Gami, um, uh, Awis Aftab, and many other psychiatrists have publicly come out and said that the the whole genetic theory, which again is is where schizophrenia was born, uh, is like chasing a yeti. Um, so they they've given this comparison, um, and then you add to it. People are believing in aliens. People are believing in, in Bigfoot. People are believing that the the you know on and on it goes. The different things that and there's many people believe or not thousands and thousands of people that believe in unicorns. And even the King James version talks about unicorns 14 times. So it, it's it's a really interesting study to frame these two concepts together and to consider 
Uh, is this actually something that exists or is it actually hiding what people are really struggling with and therefore is, is, is actually an obstruction to helping people uh, through these valid, real things that we're calling psychosis? So I hope that gives you a little setup. It does. I have two questions. Uh, let's go with the first one. Uh, so give me uh, the layman's basic understanding of what schizophrenic schizophrenia is so when they say it now i'm not i'm not talking about an accurate definition here i'm just talking about what you hear most common when somebody says well he's schizophrenic what do they think they're saying so um again it is a fluid uh idea so for me to give an answer i'm going to give a generality but you're going to find people that are going to disagree with what i'm saying but if we go to the dsm-5 what they are saying is specifically they're there are positive, what they would call positive and negative symptoms. And the positive symptoms are really, as I, I stress, uh, all, all the seculars, prominent seculars would agree, the positive symptoms, which is essentially psychosis, someone is delusional or someone is hallucinating. Those are the actual diagnostic criteria. So if someone is in a psychotic break, um, they can be classified as schizophrenic, or they can be classified with another psychotic disorder. And, and I'm saying there's other psychotic disorders that they have created. Uh, they're actually beginning to call schizophrenia schizophrenia spectrum disorder be, for that very reason, because one, one psychiatrist will label someone as schizophrenic, another as schizoaffective, another with, with um, disassociative identity, another one with bipolar. So all of these psychotic disorders, uh, uh, constructs are now following, they're saying, within a spectrum. So it could be any or all of these, and there's there's such fluidity to it. So essentially, the main thing that we're identifying with schizophrenia is that somebody is in a delusional or hallucinating. They're in a delusional state. Essentially, they're psychotic. Yeah, and so the fluidity, uh, they create the spectrum. That sounds like a miscellaneous file where you can just dump a lot of things in it. And that sure. seems to point to not really knowing what it is. Now, what would a uh, church member on, on row 17 say? He's not going to say what you just said. And and by the way, they typically get it wrong. So what, what do they typically say? Well, it's it's interesting. So usually people think of, and, and this still happens as, as I've spoken on the construct, um, a lot of people think that schizophrenia is what we used to call multi-personality disorder. Right. That's um, what I wanted. Or, that's what I wanted to hear you say that. That's what they yeah. would think. Yeah. Yeah. Or today, disassociative identity disorder is the, the new kind of more professional term for psychiatrists. But those are actually two different things. And some people would would put uh, DID or disassociative identity disorder on the schizophrenia spectrum, but they are framed differently. So, um, yeah, that's that would be the typical, um, uh, often the answer, unless people have gone through psychotic uh, breaks or someone they, they love has and have been labeled as schizophrenic. And uh, we also want to make sure people do understand, because uh, when you say, uh, in fact, you call this book The Schizophrenic Unicorn and say that a unicorn has a label, but it's not real. What you're not saying is that the problem is not real. That's exactly right. And so I'm, we I'm will saying, to clar clarify that because someone right. can listen to this and say, well, you're an idiot. 
I mean, what do you mean? Right. I am experiencing right. something real or my relative is experiencing something real that they call schizophrenic. So give some clarification there in this construct here that the problem is real, but how we label it and how we go yeah. about it is misdirection. That's really good, Rick. Um, so to, to say that schizophrenia is not real is not to say that psychosis is not real. Um, psychosis is uh very real. And in fact, uh, uh, interestingly enough, it's actually part of normal human nature. Uh, we, if you're healthy, you experience it every single night when you go to sleep. And that is actually what, what the leading neuroscientists like Matthew Walker at UC Berkeley, uh, he's considered to be one of the leading experts on sleep. Uh, I, I, if, if you're familiar with the master classes, he actually teaches on that. Uh, Andrew Huberman, who's who's pretty popular on YouTube, millions and millions of people watch him. Same same thing. Uh, in other words, we know that every time we go into REM sleep, we actually enter into a fully psychotic state. It is a healthy state, and it's something that that um, replenishes, re, you know, um, cleans out the brain, et cetera. And it also, uh, interestingly enough, and maybe we'll get to this down the road here. Scripture actually shows that this state reveals our human nature to, in fact, be deceived. It's, it's the reality of who we are, which is why dreams are so bizarre, taking true elements and just mixing them all together. So I, I think it's a, a very, very uh, gracious and right point that you make, and I appreciate you bringing that out, that to say that schizophrenia is a failure to explain allows you then to pursue real explanations uh, for psychosis. And I think that's a really important uh, principle to understand that if, if you're in a psychotic break, there is a rational and reasonable understanding. We just need to find out what has transpired in history, in the history of the person and in the spiritual heart, because there could be physical or spiritual reasons or a combination leading a person to that point. It's interesting that you would bring up sleep. Lucia and I were just talking in the kitchen a few moments ago that, that this funky dream that I had last night, man, it was so bizarre. And uh, she said she had one as well. And so uh, it was kind of ironic that you're bringing this up. But I, but with that being said, I do want to get into your subtitle here. Um, if Schizophrenic Unicorn uh, is a little hard to understand, this subtitle you've got here is a whopper. So I'm going to read it as it's written in the book, and then we can walk we can walk through it step by step. So again, the book is titled The Schizophrenic Unicorn, subtitle, Understanding the Diagnosis of Schizophrenia, the Centrality of Sleep, Biopsychosocial uh, Diagnostic Model of Mental Disorders, and Considering a Practical and Proven alter, al Alternative Approach. All right, so there's a lot there. Uh, just explain this <laughs> subtitle, and maybe we can pick out pieces of it uh, as we move along. Well, I think the first part is pretty explanatory, right? We're, we're delving Understanding into Understanding what... a diagnosis of schizophrenia. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, so, th so this is my question because the next part, what is the connect? I mean, you mentioned sleep earlier in dreams already, but uh, we need to do a little more on that because the next section of the subtitle is the centrality of sleep. What does sleep have to do with schizophrenia? Yeah. So um, what, what as I've studied, and, and if I can just say this caveat, um, you know, for in addition to the degrees that I've earned, this this has been a 20, almost 22 year process of me uh, trying to answer what this construct is. And I didn't want to 
I've written books like on madness, the history of delusional thinking and the insanity of madness. I've written on the, the history of the eugenic theory, the doctrines that are behind it and saving abnormal, but I've never actually tackled the diagnosis and then given a practical way to help people. And so that uh, I think it's important uh, to, to hear the process of leading to this book. Uh, this has been a, a huge, huge part of my life. I mean, it really is um, a, a, for me, it's to see people help is tremendous, but also just, just the burden that I've had to, to really come to an answer. And it's amazing when you see how detailed God's word is on this, that it, it, it's not just a neat saying that Christ is sufficient. This is, this is an important thing. And, and I would add sleep is a huge discussion in scripture. And that's one of the things that, that I, I personally have benefited from uh, looking at scripture and, and writing this book, but I think many people will as well. So with that said, uh, if you if you begin to study uh, sleep, so there, there's three parts to sleep, I, and this may be a whole another video um, uh, discussion, but there's there's regularity, there's quality, and there's um, uh, so quality, quantity, and regularity of sleep are the three basic uh, aspects of sleep that are all really important. If you're not getting enough sleep, you're going to have you're going to start seeing cognitive decline. You're going to start seeing memories fade. You're going to start having a lower mood. You're going to have uh, your brain's going to deteriorate, atrophy, et cetera, et cetera. If you're not getting uh, regular sleep, so just breaking up sleep, uh, for example, when we do the time change each year, the number one day for traffic accidents is the day after this, this uh, losing an hour in the spring. The number one day for suicide, same thing. Uh, is the day after because just one hour of dysregulation affects us. We we God has put us on a uh, He designed us to be habitual. He designed us to be disciplined and have habits uh, that we repeat consistently. And um, I think the sun going up and and down consistently is evidence of that. They call it the circadian rhythms. And and again, there's a lot there I won't delve into, but. If you don't sleep two to three days, the average person will go into a psychotic break. So in other words, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt, all the science points to this, that if you don't sleep, uh, so what we, we would call insomnia or sleep deprivation for two to three days, you will go into a psychotic break. And what all the science also shows is that those labeled uh, with schizophrenia or some other psychotic disorder, that sleep problems or what they would call sleep disruption precedes the psychotic experience. And that is in incredibly important because whether it's drug related, uh, and, and let me also say this, uh, there are dozens and dozens, and I actually start the book out this way, of valid physical problems that, that are correlated with psychosis. So uh, for example, heart uh, problems, infections, encephalitis, as an example, neuroencephalitis. Um, there are uh, post-stroke psychosis, as another example. Uh, even 30% of children that are diagnosed as autistic, uh, uh, many of them get diagnosed as schizophrenic as well because they're not sleeping, and 30% are known not to sleep well. So we could go on and on with that. Um, and, in other words, sleep deprivation is a huge, huge factor. And I would argue graciously that you can't have psychosis without at some point sleep being either dysregulation and outright insomnia or um, not getting into REM sleep. So there are people that never enter into REM sleep that go into psychosis, even though they're sleeping 
you know, for, for 12 hours a day. It's not healthy sleep or, or they're drug-induced sleep, and so they're not actually getting uh, healthy sleep. So sleep is a central, and that's an important word. It's not an accident. That's a carefully chosen word. It's a, it's a, a central feature to what we're calling uh, schizophrenia, psychosis, et cetera. But the question then becomes what causes sleep problems? And that's, that's where the schizophrenia label becomes vital for psychiatrists because if, if it's a physical problem, I don't think anybody, but, and, and by the way, there are people labeled as schizophrenic that are drug-induced. In other words, cannabis is the number one reason why people are being diagnosed. And that's not my stat. That's, that's in secularism. Uh, there's, there's estimations between 50 to 60 and even higher percent of all new cases of people diagnosed with schizophrenia are cannabis-related. And it's not when they're taking the cannabis because that helps them to sleep. It's when they go off and what they call withdrawal and uh, high anxiety, uh, nervousness, and you guessed it, insomnia are, are classic um, effects of, of withdrawal. And it, it's, it's no accident, again, that all this goes back to that centrality of sleep. And so what causes sleep could be physical, could be a valid physical thing, like uh, another one is a, a traumatic brain injury. Uh, I just recently I run into a man that had a traumatic brain injury and uh, two weeks later wasn't sleeping. Two weeks later got diagnosed as schizophrenic and it's been a real journey to try to actually deal with the traumatic brain injury and the lack of sleep instead of this mystical uh, label of schizophrenia. So that's a quick, I mean, we there's a lot more to it, but we certainly can discuss it, but hopefully that establishes the centrality, you know, just in, in a simple way. Now, there's not a chicken and egg thing here, but there's a definitive sequence, meaning the lack of sleep leads to schizophrenia rather than schizophrenia causing lack of sleep. I mean, is this like a majority report that if a person is struggling with schizophrenia, then you go back in the sequence and you'll see like all the time that there's some form of sleep disruption? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, well, I would, I would clarify schizophrenia is an interpretation of psychosis, right? So again, just to reiterate, uh, psychosis literally means the condition of the soul. Uh, we're talking about the psych, the soul. Uh, that's why delusions, which are inorganic and hallucinations, which are, are false sensory perceptions, delusions being false beliefs. So thinking you're Napoleon, thinking your you know demons are coming to get you. These these false, real false beliefs, um, those are real. Psychosis is real. Schizophrenia is an interpretation of it. So I think what you're what you're hitting on is if if you're labeled as schizophrenic, if you're quote diagnosed as being falling on the schizophrenia spectrum, then there's going to be a traceable. So in in medicine they call it pathology. If you can think about a pathway, if if you take uh, where a person's at in a psychotic break, you can immediately go that there'll be a central feature of some type of sleep disruption. And that's actually that the word that. That's that exactly right. All right. So yep. instead of using schizophrenia, what word should I use? Psychosis. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm comfortable with using the word psychosis. Uh, and and it, it, it's essentially a, it literally means a condition of the soul. It doesn't explain anything. It just describes it's a descriptive word um, that that is real. We again go into a psychotic episode every single time we enter uh, into deep REM sleep. So 
Um, I'm comfortable with that word. It, schizophrenia is just an interpretation of that word. So it's identifying, hey, this person's in a psychotic state. I can't explain why. So let me use and utilize this word. And so it sounds like an explanation. It's actually a failure to explain why a person's not sleeping and why they're in a psychotic state. Are there other DSM-5 labels that are really psychosis in addition to schizophrenia? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, one of the things I discuss in the book as well, I discuss uh, uh, ADHD. I, t- I discuss bipolar. I discuss um, uh, just various uh, these constructs because it's really fascinating. Uh, sleep disruption is is one of the central features of all these constructs. So if you, you look at major depression, nine out of the 12 symptoms are directly related to sleep. In fact, one of them is <clears throat> insomnia or hyper insomnia. And both of those are really detrimental and, and destructive. Um, so it, 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 if you look at uh, bipolar, for example, what they call mania, the seculars are now classifying it as part of the schizophrenia spectrum because they're realizing it's really no different. And they openly admit, which I lay out <clears throat> in the book, and again, for major depression as well, that insomnia precedes what we call mania. Uh, one, of, one of the citations I give, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, it's from either the um, a Psychiatric Times or uh, Medscape Psychiatry or Molecular Psychiatry, something to that effect. Um, one of the clinicians actually points out that if you take a child and you keep them up three hours, four hours past their bedtime, they are going to begin to be giddy and hyper. And he's, he points out this is normal human nature when you deprive someone of sleep. And so what we're calling mania in, in the bipolar construct is, is essentially sleep deprivation and, and the contents of the heart are just easily exposed, which is why we see even Ecclesiastes 2, all the criteria said to be bipolar. It's just when we don't sleep, who we really are comes out. And I think that's a really important point too. Um, psychosis, the, the delusional state isn't something that Sleep deprivation creates. It's, it's essentially exposing what the Bible says, like in Jeremiah 17, 9, that our hearts are deceitful above all things. So it, it's we have to go back. We have to start with normal human nature. When we don't follow God's designed order, what we would say is the creation mandate, right? Those are, those are uh, important terms going back to Genesis 1 and 2. If we're not functioning spiritually and physically as God designed, then we're going to be out of out of line, out of that design, and things aren't going to go well. And so the the deceitful nature is very easily revealed in us, and it's and it's in in different ways, but essentially it's revealed uh, when we don't get proper uh, and quality, quantity, and again a regularity of sleep. Is this what we see in Alzheimer patients, where when you lose the ability to have self-control, you lose the, the ability to be in charge of your cognitive facilities. Uh, now, whatever's inside comes out. Is this what we're talking about? Yeah, that's exactly right. So Alzheimer's is a great example of, um, they, they would they would call it dementia, right? Um, it's, right? It's the same concept here, but Alzheimer's is well-established to be associated with sleep problems. So there's a valid physical problem that would lead someone to easily expose their human nature. Not everybody who's, who's um, uh, interestingly enough, Kreplin, who invented uh, the schizophrenia con- concept, uh, we've talked about this in, 
numerous videos. Louis Alzheimer was his his uh, student, but also worked in his clinic. And Kreplin actually labeled the term Alzheimer. And Alzheimer disagreed with his just, hey, you right. can't use schizophrenia to what you can't explain just to, to call it. And he actually called it premature dementia, which is telling because dementia is not the same as what they're trying to say is, is schizophrenia. So to answer your question, yes, uh, that's another great example of how uh, they wouldn't call it psychosis. They would call it delirium. They would call it dementia. Um, but it, it allows us to see human nature when sleep problems, when, when, when sleep disruption is there. So once we can't present ourselves the way that we want to present ourselves, our fictionalized self into the public space, we no longer have the ability to do that. Whatever we actually are is going to come out. Sleep is one of those conditions that will bring out that stuff. So is the inversion of that true? So let's say, in fact, okay, let me give you an illustration. I met a gentleman in Colorado. His name is Ken, and uh, he has dementia. And uh, he was he was convicting to be around. I shared this with his wife. He was so peaceful. He was so content. Uh, there was just this steady joy that is very subtle, but you could see just the joy of the Lord uh, all over him, just a very peaceful man. And he doesn't have that kind of control over his cognitive cognitive faculties as you and I do. And so is this an illustration of what's coming out? And so would that be the solution uh, for psychosis that the Bible, as we immerse ourselves in it, as we spend time praying, basically as we love God and others more than ourselves, it has a, a soul reshaping, a restorative effect to where our Adamic natures are, are now being replaced, so to speak, because mm -hmm. of our immersion into the Bible. So is that the solution for a person uh, who has um, psychosis? Well, so again, I think it's important to uh, reestablish what Jeremiah 17, 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and incurably sick. Who can know it? And then, and then God obviously says that he searches our heart. Uh, the, the first thing I want to stress here is that psychosis can be, again, if you, if you, there's, there's a post-surgery psychosis. So that's a physical thing that is leading someone to not sleep and then causes um, uh, a psychotic break. So it's a danger. It, it would be an error for me to say that every single case of psychosis is a spiritual heart problem that has led to sleep problems. And, and I think that's really key to distinguish. Now, certainly there are cases, and I've counseled several, where people are diagnosed as schizophrenic because of guilt. Uh, one of the sections, a really large section in my book, I talk about post-trauma anxiety by secular estimations is the number one reason why people get labeled as schizophrenic. That's their thinking. Well, what does anxiety in the heart do? It causes us not to sleep well. Uh, think of Psalm 127, verse 2. And if, if someone eats the bread of, of ang anxious toil, right? There, it, it's compared to bread there. It's anxiety in the heart. The next, the next part of that verse says, but he gives to his beloved sleep. You know, there's other passages like in, in, in Psalm that talk about uh, when we're in distress, we don't feel God is near. We can't sleep. I'm thinking of, of um, uh, Psalm 20, 22, uh, verse 2 or Psalm 27, verse 2. Uh, there's other passages like Psalm 4 through 8 that's exact opposite, that when, when God is near, sleep is pleasant. It, it is a blessing to us. 
Um, so I, I think it's important for us to understand that we can spiritually uh, go, come to a point, anxiety especially, um, come to a point where we're not sleeping because of the anxiety in our heart, but we can also physically come to that. So each case of psychosis is different. I do, I do think it's important uh, and fascinating as well to understand that the content of our dream state, because again, if, if it's true that psychosis is our dream state, essentially someone that, that we're seeing in psychosis who hasn't slept, I believe, and this is my personal um, theory, and I, I'm pretty convinced of this based both on scripture, but on science as well, that what we're seeing with, with uh, a, a psychotic episode, and if I can say a wakeful REM state, is that if you don't get sleep in five days, the average person will die. So I believe that this is God's gracious defense. When we see someone in a psychotic break, that the body is forcing itself into a REM REM state, even if it's in a wakeful state, because otherwise you're going to die. And again, keep in mind, psychosis is a healthy state. It's actually not an abnormality. It's not unhealthy, as we've been told. Um, And it makes perfect sense if you're not getting sleep, again, physically caused or spiritually caused, whatever the reason is that your body is going to force itself into that, that wakeful state. So they've, they've actually woken people up that have been diagnosed as schizophrenic and their, their, their content of their dream state in REM state, if they're woken up and in a psychotic break is virtually the same. And that's because again, our, in our dreams, our hearts are revealed, our histories are revealed just like in a psychotic episode. Yeah, it's also a form of punishment, keeping a person awake so they can hallucinate. Now, I did want yeah. to make a, a, a point uh, way back uh, a few moments ago, but I, I, I do want to say this, uh, that this is one of the big problems that we have with our children today uh, and adults as well, but on devices, uh, on social mm-hmm. media and video games, uh, especially, you know, as the blue light effect of our devices, it brings our melatonin down. We stay awake later than we should. We end up going to school. Kids end up going to school. They're agitated. They're irritable. They're sleepy. They're right. what? And then we put them on medication, and we have resolved the problem. When in actuality, we have only dumbed down the problem to where it doesn't manifest anymore. And then the kid is happy because he can continue to stay on his devices, you know, till midnight because he's on medication. And then dad and mom are happy because the kid is, you know, making A's or whatever he's making at school. So everybody's happy. But all we have done here is we've medicated a kid so that we can get optimal results, kid playing games and parents get the grades that they want out of that child. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. And um, in, in the book, I, I discuss quite a bit um, habituation of thought and how God has designed us. And it's that in itself is an interesting study because throughout Scripture, uh, we are told to meditate on His Word day and night. So you have passages in, in um, Ecclesiastes 2, for example, verse 23, that talk about it, that even at night our hearts do not rest. So it, it, it's wrong for us to think that our minds kind of shut off because scripture says our hearts are not at rest, our spiritual hearts. There's other passages, even in Ecclesiastes that say, you know, something similar uh, in Proverbs chapter six, for example, we're, we're told that the counsels of God uh, counsel us in the night watches. And what's really fascinating is they found that what you meditate on 
the last hour, especially before you go to bed, this, it's true throughout the day, but there's, there's something unique. They say in neuroscience, the hour before you go to bed, whatever you're meditating on goes from a temporary thought process and your temporary memories and then becomes uh, solidified. It's almost like it's filed away in a long-term memory. And in other words, it, it becomes ingrained in your thinking. And it's, it's a really fascinating, I mean, all the science shows this. And they're saying uh, in, in neuroscience that if you're distressed before you go to bed, and that's what you're thinking on, then the content of your dreams will be distressful. It will be horror. It will be fearful. Like your fears and your, your traumas and distresses will essentially be the content of your dream state versus if you're meditating on positive things. So they encourage people to meditate so that whatever you're thinking there, those positive thoughts. And of course, we don't just believe in meditation in that, that spiritualism right. sense. We're saying meditate on the, 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 the word day and night, even like Psalm 1 talks about. There's a significance there that, that should not be overlooked. And it's, it's really fascinating to, to look at that study throughout Scripture. Yeah, there's a proliferation of meditation apps that you see in the App Store, and it is a thing. And, it, and again, I, I appreciate the distinction that you're making because they are trying to figure out, and they're kind of on the pathway. Uh, right. But I would I would see, yeah, meditating on God's Word, praying. Uh, I must have been uh, meditating on the My Pillow guy last night because I was smothered uh, in a mattress, and this was my dream. And I don't mean any offense whatsoever toward the My Pillow guy, but that was somehow that must have came across my screen. And so I would just recommend that you not look. Don't take your devices to your bedroom. Take your Bible to your bedroom, or meditate on verses that you have already stored in your heart, right. and let that be your meditation, uh, because that is important. I, I I do think, and it's going to be hard to really study this because studying things that are fluid. Uh, is a challenge because it's con continuing to move. But I think there are studies now, but in years from now, 20 years from now, we'll look back on this time and we will see the devastation that is self-sabotaging our souls by what we're doing right. late right. at night, uh, specifically with our devices. Now, what I, I want to stack up something here. Uh, and so if we're building a tree, then uh, the, the, the trunk of the tree um, would be psychosis. Uh, underneath that would be lack of sleep. And then on top of that are all these iterations. Now, the DSM-5 would have, in fact, they're creating a spectrum now. Okay, so we'll just call it a spectrum as far as the branches are concerned. Is that a right. proper stacking? So we have this spectrum as far as the branches. We have psychosis as the trunk. And then sleep is very much causal. What else would you add or how would you uh, say that yourself? Yeah, um, one, one of the sections in the book, I go through all the science shows. So they, they've taken six psychiatric constructs, um, bipolar, schizophrenia, ADHD, obsessive compulsive disorder, major depressive disorder, and anxiety disorder. And they've, they've done these studies. And for years now, they've told us that both neurology and genetics have to be the cause of these and different genetics and different neurological uh, defects, if you would. And what's really fascinating over the last decade, especially, they found that it looks exactly the same neurologically and genetically for all these constructs to the point where they're now suggesting that they're all the same thing. They're just different variations. Well, the problem with that theory, number one, is for years they've said they're different, right? 
the, the other thing, and by the way, the symptoms, the symptomology, what they would call the symptomology are, are so overlapping that even the DSM says that these are fluid constructs without boundaries. They literally say they're lacking boundaries between them. And it, it's really fascinating. Sleep is the common denominator, sleep disruption, I should say, in all of these. And that's why the brain looks exactly the same because you're, you're, doing, you're going through the same processes. In fact, uh, interestingly enough, and I won't go into the deep science, it is in the book if you're interested, um, uh, the, the, for years, the whole dopa, dopamine theory of schizophrenia has been advocated, the chemical imbalance. And many psychiatrists have, have denounced it. And of course, back in 2020, huge studies denounced it, but still people believe it. And believe what? That, that some, some type of disruption in the dopamine, uh, dopaminogenic system is, is which the you're, cause. Which you're yeah. calling chemical imbalance which they call chemical imbalance. Okay, and yeah. so they, they would specifically cite the D2 and D3 receptors. Well, guess what happens when you don't, when, when you go through insomnia, it directly affects your dopaminogenic system. So D2, D3 receptors, uh, atrophy in the brain was another one, like the, the large ventricles. Uh, all of this is a direct result of not sleeping, uh, increase in, in white matter or, or, you know, uh, variations in gray matter. All of these theories are directly related to sleep. <clears throat> so you start looking at all these and that's why they're, they're just so perplexed. But if you, if you start looking at the, the rational explanations, sleep disruption is the central issue that, that they're missing, but yet they list it as a symptom in all of these. You know, they, they openly identify it, but then they miss it. Um, give me a give me a list of things that we do to uh, disrupt our sleep. Uh, I mentioned uh, devices as one. You mentioned uh, marijuana, uh, Red Bull, Monster drinks. Um, there are a number. Of, so we, as I'm listening, it's like there are a number of things that we have done in the last couple of generations. Um, of course, hedonism. Uh, you know, staying out late at night right. and and pleasure seeking that and you know people talk about okay so you got the health advocate or the the influencer who says oh man i get four hours i get six hours of sleep and i'm a hard charger there are so many things that people do and all of it is tied to a disruption of sleep which would make right. sense that there is another proliferation uh, proliferation of medication uh, to try to solve these issues. And so what we're doing, I was just listening to an advertisement on Daily Wire where they were saying that you can take this um, Z-biotic, uh, maybe that may be the title, the name of this medication, but you can take it so it will help your liver to absorb alcohol. And I was listening so that you can go out and drink more. And I was thinking, it's like, you got to be kidding me. It's like, one, why is the Daily Wire promoting this? Uh, why are they that associated with big pharma and get right money? And then three, uh, three, what are we trying to do to ourselves? If I can take a medication so I can drink more alcohol, then that's a win-win. That's very similar yeah. to dumbing, dumbing down the kid so that he can stay on video games and we can get good grades. I can drink more alcohol. My liver is happy. But in reality, my liver is not happy. So we, we are sabotaging ourselves on purpose, and we're disrupting our sleep by so many measures. I do want to have a talk with my son about the monster drinks that he drinks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you, you've been talking about alcohol here. Um, you know, Proverbs 23 tells us specifically that 
uh, delusions and hallucinations are are regularly caused by the drunken state that that people enter into. And and that's not true for everyone. You know, um, one of the interesting things about genetics that is of value is that we all respond to drugs differently. So for some people, alcohol will send them into a what we would call a psychotic break. Uh, alcohol is known to be directly associated with being diagnosed as bipolar and as schizophrenic. So alcohol disrupts our sleep. And it's interesting because a lot of people think the exact opposite. They'll take what we call a nightcap to help them go to sleep, right. uh, but it, it actually doesn't allow them to go into deep uh, healing sleep, if you would. And uh, often they wake up around three o'clock and it just completely disrupts their sleep. So alcohol is a big one. Uh, nicotine is another one. Nicotine is a stimulant, and we, you know, often don't think of it that way. But they, they, they know for a fact that that nicotine disrupts uh, what they call initial sleep. So even getting to sleep, there's a real struggle to even get asleep. So I've mentioned two drugs there, but there's other things as well. It's, um, I'm thinking of Ecclesiastes chapter five. It says that the the wealthy, um, uh, the the poorer he works all day in the field, will sleep well, whether he eats or not. But the wealthy will, will some translations say, struggle with insomnia. And if you go back to Psalm 127, when, when uh, we look at that word, eating the bread of anxious toil, well, why is bread used there as a metaphor for anxiety? Because both keep you awake, both keep you up. And all the science shows if you're eating big meals, you know, late at night, that it, that it directly affects your sleep. Um, there's there's huge studies now, and there's uh, I think good trends on people fasting, um, you know, before going to sleep, and it allows them to sleep better. Uh, that that's a biblical concept, and and again, it's contained there even in Ecclesiastes in in the wisdom literature, in the biblical true psychology, if you would. Um, you know, God, God just lays out so much. I mean, we could go on and on about things and, and habits that, that we're doing that are not good. Um, I, I, I think one of the values for me personally is just having a regularity of sleep, making sure right. that I'm going to bed. Even if I think that I've got to get this done, there, there is tomorrow. And that's what God says. There's always tomorrow. We, we do ourselves a favor to have a set pattern. And I, I think uh, what we call discipline is a gift of God. Bodily discipline is profitable, as Scripture says, but not like spiritual discipline. But it is profitable, and that's that's something that I think is important to discuss. Yeah, I, I do want to mention one that uh, some people might not think of, but they experience regularly, and that's going to the bathroom at night. When you become my age, uh, that is something that happens. So what I try to do is to finish all drinking of fluids, you know, water, tea, whatever. Uh, by uh, honestly, I mean by five o'clock in the afternoon or six. And if we go out and eat or we do hospitality, I try to drink very little because at yeah. my age, now I know there are some natural supplements that you can take that help, and I have taken natural supplements, and they do help. But that is an issue as well. So if you're getting up two times at night, and this is what old people talk about, by the way, one of these days you'll have these conversations more, <laughs> more consistently. But when I go For and sure. meet people, when I'm doing conferences, I get together with old people and say, hey, what are you doing? And uh, we, it's, it's like I am that guy now. But getting yeah. up two, two times or three times at the night, that is sleep disruptive. All right, so uh, we have a few moments here. I want to get to some hope and help that you have. Go, we, go ahead. 
we haven't even talked about coffee either, but um, oh, okay. I, I, so okay, I, you know, I, I was trying to speed past that. All right, go I, ahead. Go, as, go ahead. As I drink my coffee, well, I I just um, you know I think it's important some people to be aware that um, we we think of coffee kind of wearing off its stimulant effect, which will keep you awake. Um, right. And and if I can also add that all the studies are showing that kids that take uh, psychostimulants that are diagnosed as ADHD there's a huge trend now in being diagnosed as schizophrenic or with another psychotic disorder because stimulants by nature are disruptive to sleep. So someone who, who's drinking coffee may not be affected at all, but another person that can stay in the system for even 12 hours. So they may think a, cu- you know, a cup ap- after lunch isn't affecting them, but they can't sleep well. I mean, all these things, there's just so many things that um, you know can affect our sleep. I, I do want to say this as well. I think personally, I think there's a natural declination of sleep as we age. Um, I think that's part of the dying process, part of the curse of sin, where we're not getting the quality, quantity, and regularity of sleep as we age. And that's why the brain deteriorates. What we're calling dementia is also trying to explain that process, but it's actually the natural. It's, it's, it's what happens in the, in the cursed state we're in. So I, I think it's important to mention that as well. Right. And, and to those of you, uh, please don't be offended. Uh, I want you to do life over coffee. And Daniel's recommended <laughs> we do it early in the morning as we are doing this interview here. And so try to do all your life over coffee, you know, before three as you help other people and have conversations for transformation. And then in the evening, if you're doing life over coffee, just do life over water and that will suffice. All or right. Decaf. So uh, <laughs> life over decaf. Daniel, uh, just a couple of things you mentioned in Chapter 3, reification, and so I would like for you to explain that term, but then I also, we have a few minutes left, I I want to get to some solutions and some things that you would recommend. I mean, sleep is the obvious thing to be stated, but uh, I'm sure there's some other things that you have in mind, but talk about this idea of the reification of schizophrenia. Yeah, yeah. Before I do that, uh, or leading into it, I should say, is schizophrenia is an inorganic idea, right? So psychosis is inorganic. No one's ever seen, touched, measured within the scientific method, Uh, delusions, hallucinations. So we we really are talking about a condition of the soul. It's well-named, psychosis. Um, and, And we have to keep that in mind that we're talking about something inorganic that they are trying to explain within a material framework. That's why schizophrenia exists. Uh, in, in and that's basically example, the definition of reification, right? Well, we're, we're, I'm getting there, but okay. I want to I want to first establish that the Bible talks about the, we don't. The, it doesn't use the word psychosis, right? So in the insanity of madness, I talk about madness, the concept of madness. I just want want us to go back to that. What is normal? What is human nature? has to be understood because when you don't sleep, what is normal is coming out. And that's what's scary and horrific to us because we're saying, boy, that's not the person I know. Well, that is the true heart without the spirit's control. That's how ugly and and, and repulsive we all are. We're wicked and we're weak. And it, it's just revealed. Uh, Isaiah uh, 29, uh, 9 through 10, as an example, scripture compares uh, uh, the delusions of the prophets to three things. He compares it to drunkenness. He compares it to blindness and he compares it to deep sleep. And the reason why I'm, I'm pointing out that's significant in, in other passages, like in, in 
Job chapter four, verse 13, um, we, we find out that uh, the, the deceitful state is revealed. So in, in deep sleep is the phrase used there. Uh, most translations translated as deep sleep where visions and dreams or hallucinations occur. And I think it's important as we understand scripture talks about this is a normal process in that dream state, in what we would call the psychotic state, whether it's in REM state or in a wakeful REM state, we call psychosis, um, that, that we understand delusions are part of that. So blindness, a lot of people that um, uh, uh, Charles Benet syndrome, for example, that are blind, they hallucinate. It, it's revealing because we're meant to see. And so our minds can create what is not there. Snipers do this often in the theater of war. Um, and then drunkenness, we talked about Proverbs 23, well, then deep sleep. So these metaphors for someone who is delusional are a biblical concept. And I don't want people to miss that. It, it's an inorganic reality. So what do you do if you're believing in a material worldview and everything has to be reduced. That's that bio, bioreductionism or materialism. Well, what they do is they invent an inorganic construct. So schizophrenia is an inorganic construct. It doesn't exist in the physical world. It is certainly accepted as an explanation of psychosis, but it, no one's ever found it. Like you can't, you, you can see uh, pictures just like stuffed unicorns. No one's ever found a unicorn. You can see these, these images and ideas of what a unicorn is, and by the way, horns exist in nature, hooves exist in nature, you know, like we, every element of what we're saying a unicorn could be does exist in nature, but the unicorn itself doesn't exist. And, and that's the exact same truth for uh, what, what we're calling schizophrenia. So if I can explain reification this way, uh, and by the way, this is not my term, this is a psychiatric term, they understand this. And all I'm doing in the book, I have a whole chapter on this. They're taking an inorganic idea and insisting that we treat it, even though it's never been discovered in nature, as if it exists organically. That is called reification. I'm trying to, uh, if I can use a big word, ontology, I'm trying to take something that lacks physicality or lacks substance and insisting that even though it doesn't have substance, even though it isn't physically existing in nature, someday we will find it. So let's treat it as if it is a physical thing. And most people believe, and it is a reification of the construct, that schizophrenia is a physical or biological disease, when in reality, it is widely understood as a phenomenological construct or uh, uh, a concept, if you would. Hopefully that helps. Well, no, it does. And so, yeah, so it's, it's taking something that's more abstract and making it concrete. But in reality, it's not concrete and it's not real. And so that's excellent advertisement for schizophrenia. They have done well. Who else is really? uh, talk who else is talking about this the way you are? Um so I mean, some of the leading uh psychiatrists, so Kenneth Kendler is an example. He he's um by his peers said to be the leading um psychiatric geneticist. He's outright come out and said, we will never find physical causes to any of these. Uh, he's also written many articles on the reification of things like major depressive disorder, uh, schizophrenia. And, and he says it's actually cultish. It's, it's worse than, he says, worshiping um, within a religion because we're, we're you know, they, they criticize 
Christians for believing in God who is invisible as God, you know, loudly proclaims he's, he's a spirit and we are created in that image. Um, and they, they denounce spiritual, the spiritual nature, they reject dualism. So therefore we can't go there, but anything that we can explain in the spiritual realm, we've got to take into a physical framework, uh, even if it's inventing constructs and he just warns his peers I mean, there's just numerous, numerous others. I mean, there's there's so much content. You know, I have a whole chapter on it. I think it's almost 90 page chapter, unfortunately, but I had to leave stuff out. I mean, this is widely understood. It's just we as Christians have been so deceived. We don't even know about the word reification. Um, and, and the verb is reify, literally to try to make it real, if I can say it that way. It's not real, but we're going to try to make it real in a material sense. It is real. Spiritually, it is real in the inorganic realm. So the difference between reification and metaphor is that metaphor, we would say, not real. Uh, but reification, we're trying to pretend is real. Well, David Powelson and Jay Adams, too, the, I, I think most people would argue are the founding fathers, if you would, of modern uh, soul care or biblical counseling, uh, both hit on this, that, that metaphors are very much uh convenient for those who don't believe in the spiritual realm, but want to to uh, pretend like they understand things in a material sense that are, in fact, spiritual. And I think that's a good, good word. So uh, there's a lot of different words that are used, but many of the secularists actually admit this is just a common language. Schizophrenia isn't a real thing. It's just a common language. So if I say schizophrenia, I know what the other psychiatrist talking about. The problem with that is people don't think of it as a, as a label or a language. They think of it as an explanation, that, that this explains my struggles and my state of psychosis. So it's yeah. really misleading. When you take shop talk out into the public domain, uh, it really botches things up because people don't have that understanding as they do back in the shop. All right, we only have a couple of minutes left. And so what are some um, solutions, what's some help? Uh, obviously, sleep is is one of the obvious ones. We've mentioned things yep. throughout, uh, with the exception of coffee. It's okay to drink coffee, but uh, yep. devices and so forth. But what else would you offer for the person who uh, is struggling with this? Yeah, well, the first thing I would say is I, the obvious that we can't change anyone. So, you know, for, if, if someone is struggling spiritually um, and they don't want help, uh, they're going to continue to have sleep problems and continue to, to struggle in psychotic states, et cetera. Um, some people are, are uh, unfortunately so damaged by, and I won't get into uh, antipsychotics aren't really a thing. It's it's, they're actually classified as major tranquilizers. The number one known effect of major tranquilizers is somnolence or putting people to sleep. And that's exactly why, the delusions and hallucinations go away because you're addressing that central sleep problem. But unfortunately it's only short term. And then the dosages have to go up, uh, you know, other drugs have to be given and it just keeps escalating there. And some people are so damaged by these, these drugs that they can never get off of them or they go into the worst uh, bouts of insomnia. And then of course, psychosis that they've ever seen. Uh, others are, are successfully tapered off um, we have people here in our church that that have gone through that process. We have others that that um, working with their doctor. I've just I, I've encouraged them. I think you you've, you're to the point for 30 years now. You've been on these drugs. 
it's not wise to to stop. Like they, it would be a tremendous danger to everyone involved. And and they pleaded with me to stop and and their their physician again. I'm working with a physician. I'm not the one ever making right. that decision. Right. But uh, when they asked me my opinion, I personally would not go off if if I've been. I mean, I know too much. I know your your body becomes defensive towards that and to remove that it does the exact opposite and sends you into this manic or psychotic state and so it's a real danger so i I don't want people to get hung up on whether it's right or wrong to take the drugs i actually believe that there's case for when when someone's not sleeping to give them these drugs uh, for a very short period of time to get them sleeping Um, that's that's one of the beauties of of uh, what an a quote antipsychotic does, or even an SSRI, what they call an anti, um, antidepressant. So I, I think there's value in that, but fixing the sleep problem does not fix our problems. It does not fix our spiritual or our physical problems. So you have to get to the root of that problem. Sleep is a central problem, but it's not the cause of our psychosis. And that's a really important right. thing. So you gotta, you gotta listen, you gotta listen to the history. You gotta listen to the heart. You gotta find out what is causing the sleep problems in order to actually deal with the problem? And they have to want that help. Right. Uh, we have a web uh, issue there. It looks like you, you've cut I'll, out. Uh, I'll, 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 I'm coming back here. I'm sorry. Okay. That's okay. We're at the end of our time here and uh, there is so much more to say, but it has been said. Uh, this is Daniel Berger's book, the schizophrenic unicorn. Daniel, when's this book coming out? Um. Lord willing, this book will be out um, uh, middle of February here. So I'm hoping uh, I'm hoping we'll uh, be able to to get this published uh, by Valentine's Day, if God wills. So it's done. It's just going through the final edits and waiting on some some more uh, endorsements. I will say there's several psychiatrists that God is is uh, working and have already endorsed it, and others that are looking at it. Some of the very prominent. Uh, psychiatrist as well. So I'm really excited and really excited to see how God's already used it in in helping people um, not just see themselves through God's eyes and get out of this whole system, but really address underlying issues. So, right. So uh, uh, mid-February, 2023, this book, The Schizophrenic Unicorn. 2024, 2024. 2024. Sorry about that. Okay. That was, Uh, that must've been in your dream too last night. Yeah, you and the pillow guy. Yeah. 2024, The Schizophrenic Unicorn. It is a huge book. It's almost 900 pages, but it would be well worth the read. Uh, also, uh, for those of you who are part of our Leaders Over Coffee community, Daniel has uh, graciously said that he will. he's done this meeting before, and we're going to have a Leaders Over Coffee meeting February 13th, 2023. And this will be a time for you to ask questions. And so if you're not part of Leaders Over Coffee, I would encourage you to do it. We have monthly meetings among several other things that are exclusive benefits to this community, the Leaders Over Coffee community. And so Daniel will be meeting. We will have questions for him. And if you would like to be part of that, just join the Leaders Over Coffee community. For those of you who watch this video or listen to the podcast later and it say, wow, I would like to be part of that Q&A, we do archive these meetings. And so you will have access even if you come on after uh, the meeting on February the 13th. Daniel, the Schizophrenic Unicorn, that's a good one. Thanks, Rick. Looking yep. forward to when it comes out. And uh, we'll make more noise about it at that time, but appreciate you giving your time to us.
Thanks. Thanks for letting me come on as always. You're welcome. Thanks for joining us. Learn more and get access to other resources at lifeovercoffee.com.